You're listening to another episode of The Zag. Eric Soap here with Chelsea Sprayrigan from the Chicago class of NLC 2015. Excited to have her on to talk about a really cool business that she runs. Let's get to it. All right, Chelsea, where exactly in the world are you today? Um, I am in my apartment in Chicago, Illinois today. And weather-wise, are you still feeling the effects of winter? Can I rub it in that we're relatively warm here in Los Angeles? Oh, man, it is a full-blown winter day here in Chicago in April. Oh, okay. Well, hang in there. Uh, well, I'm glad we can at least chat and, and keep ourselves warm with the the knowledge that you run a really cool company. You're a CEO and co-founder um, of a company called Pi for Providers. Was this an idea that you hatched in NLC or did you have it before? I actually had the idea coming into NLC, but I used NLC's capstone as a chance to do some research and dig into the idea a bit more. Nice. Okay. So Pi for Providers, what's the short pitch about what it is? Pi for Providers uses technology to help childcare providers build stronger businesses. So specifically, we offer them a digital assistant that simplifies government programs to help providers earn more revenue and spend less time on administrative work. Yeah, and I, I myself was a former teacher and worked for a charter management group. And one of the things we we explored while I was there was having some sort of extension of of daycare or childcare for our teachers or for our staff. And in California, it's just an insane amount of rules and regulations, which makes a lot of sense. You want to keep kids safe, but it it really is challenging to navigate. So I'm glad like something like like this exists. Um, you know, what kind of folks have reached out to you wanting to, to use it? What kind of folks have had an opportunity to put it into practice so far? So we have about 40 small child care businesses using the pilot version of our service right now. A couple of those are local daycare chains, all based in Illinois, and the rest are actually home-based daycare providers. So they operate daycare businesses in their own homes. They have anywhere from three to 16 kids that come over every day that they care for. And are you finding these people? They're finding you? How did all these folks come together? We found our first group by working with local neighborhood organizations that already serve daycare providers. Some of those are provider-led associations that meet monthly to give each other tips and support. Some of those are small business technical assistance organizations, and some of them are the government agencies whose programs we're helping the providers navigate. And then how did you learn to, to do all these things? How did you learn the regulation world? Did you come to this from an educator mindset or from an entrepreneurial mindset? How did it all come to be? So I don't have an early childhood background, but I do have a background in navigating and streamlining government programs. So I actually used to work for another early stage social enterprise called Benestream, helping working families claim revenue from Medicaid, food stamps, and other benefits that they were often eligible for, but just not receiving because the process was so complicated. And it was in doing that work that I saw an opportunity to bring the same approach to the childcare space. And in doing so, to make it easier for working families to access care and to make it easier for small business owners who are mostly women, disproportionately people of color and immigrants, to operate profitable businesses and, and be paid a fair wage for their work. And so is that the feedback you've gotten most frequently that's positive, that folks appreciate the opportunity to, to make this job profitable, like you said? Or is it feedback that's positive because this is super easy to use and so more from a technological standpoint, people appreciate it? What kind of things do you hear most often? 
You know, I think that childcare work can feel very isolating. A lot of these women are in their home alone all day, surrounded by only children. And the best and and most frequent piece of feedback that we get is how comforting it is to have someone on your side, someone advocating for you, just giving you that extra little bit of support to keep you on top of what you need to do so that they can focus on the children. So I think it's that feeling of having kind of an ally has been the feedback that makes me feel really good and, and that we get a lot. Yeah. And so then when you were exploring doing research in the NLC class, like what kind of ways were you seeing the progressive values that NLC has tie into this kind of work? I think it's totally rooted in those progressive values are totally rooted in the work that we do, or our work is rooted in those progressive values, I should say. Um, I see what we're doing as really operating a feminist business. So we are helping people be compensated for work that is traditionally undervalued because it's considered women's work and often because it's considered work that disproportionately people of color do. Um, We think of that as labor that deserves compensation. And so I think that is in keeping with the progressive values historically of everything from the civil rights movement to the feminist movement to the labor movement. And more specifically, the other folks in my NLC class were very involved in helping me shape the idea, bring more nuance to it. I had classmates who had worked in the early childhood field and who were able to really push me to make the idea sustainable and valuable for the end users. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask. Like, what transformation did you see the idea and the the form take from when you first hatched it through NLC and, and now? What's been the biggest changes? It changed quite a bit. So we were originally thinking of the concept as helping employers set up daycares, something similar to, I think, what what you were thinking about at the charter schools. But what we saw, what I saw through the research and through the feedback of my classmates that had been in the field longer than I had was that selling a product and delivering a service directly to these proprietors of small businesses made the most sense, that that's where the need was, but that getting someone like a large corporation to set up a new daycare was probably more complex and that we would encounter more barriers in doing that. Um, I still think it's a great idea that someone should do, but it's not not the direction that we took it. Yeah, makes sense. Uh, when we come back, I want to ask some questions about what it's like to, to found something to be a CEO and, and hear that experience. You're listening to The Zag. We'll be right back. Yeah, Chelsea, what's been the most surprising part about being a founder of a company, being a CEO? Um. I think it's not only how hard me and my co-founders work, but really how hard our brains are working every day. I've I've never had a job that uh, really just stretches my intellectual and emotional and sort of interpersonal capacities to this extent. Uh, and honestly, that's that's been the biggest surprise of the experience. And then for folks that don't necessarily operate in this world of, of founding and being a startup. Like how does something like an accelerator work or how does um, something like winning a contest, which you've, you've had uh, some opportunities to do and winning some venture challenges and how do those things factor into how a company grows and expands? So it's been a huge part of our experience. Um, so my co-founder Hannah and I officially launched the company when we were both getting our MBAs at the university of Chicago 
And we took the company through an accelerator and a competition there called the Social New Venture Challenge. And like many of those competitions, we had access to a great group of mentors that challenged us and gave us feedback and helped us develop our business idea as well as our ability to communicate the business idea in lots of different settings, out loud in a pitch or in writing. Um, And then in this case, there was also funding at the end. So there was prize money. So the combination of the opportunity to workshop the idea with people who have done this before and the ability to actually get seed funding, that's what got us off the ground and that's how we launched. And then do you actively seek out publicity now? Do you actively seek out um, things on radio or in magazines? Like how do you, uh, not so much advertising, but how do you get the the word out that this is working and this is positive, this is good news for folks? We've had a bit of publicity. Uh, winning the Social New Venture Challenge was really helpful for that. And actually another NLC opportunity was I got to be on WGN Radio here in Chicago mm-hmm because one of our chapter's advisory board members has a radio show. So she invited me to be on that show. Um, Beyond that, though, I focus more on getting the word out to organizations that work with providers and to providers directly. So at the early stage that our company is at, we're more focused on communicating all the time with our customers and potential customers to make sure that we're building something that's truly valuable to them and really fits easily into their daily lives. And then what's the best case scenario, say, two years from now or five years from now for the company? Uh, we'd like to be delivering our service to childcare providers throughout the country and helping them claim all the revenue that they already qualify for and should be getting from the government. And in doing that, helping them build sustainable businesses that are a pathway for them to uh, a long-term career if that's what they want. And do you see this being transportable outside of the state or each state's going to be so different that it'd be hard to do that? It's definitely a product that we can bring to every state. There are differences in how these programs work at the state level, but we're building that flexibility into our product up front because we want to serve providers here in Illinois, but elsewhere as well. Yeah. And the last thing, one of the things I've enjoyed about having folks from different NLC chapters on on the ZAG is they can make us aware of things we may not be paying attention to. Anything you'd like to promote or any podcasts we should be listening to, things we could be keeping an eye on policy-wise that relate to early childhood education? What's a a way for us to kind of keep up to speed on on how this is such an important topic? Yeah, um, I'm a big fan of the National Domestic Workers Alliance uh, and their founder, Ai-jen Poo, is definitely one of the inspirations behind the work that we're doing at Pi for Providers. And they've been promoting the idea of universal care So a fund that would support not only early childhood education, but also elder care and disability care to bring all of these underpaid, disproportionately female caregiving jobs under the same umbrella and give them a sustainable way to get paid for their very important and very undervalued labor. So I'm a huge supporter of that initiative. And I think it's it's really exciting that they're getting some traction behind it. Nice. Well, listen, thanks for sharing that. Thanks for sharing your story. And thanks to everyone who's listened to this episode of The Zag. You can find all past episodes, and there's over 50 of them now, which is exciting. You can find them in the iTunes Store, Google Play Store, hopefully soon on Spotify. Stay tuned for more episodes coming later next week and beyond. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you soon. 